Good morning, everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. As we sang this last song, God will take care of you. I hope that the words of that song brought some peace and comfort to your heart. The Lord bless us this morning. That's what I'd like to speak upon. God will take care of you. And I want to uh, go this morning, spend a little bit of time, and perhaps uh, look at every verse, or almost every verse, of Psalm 107. Under the general theme, God will take care of you. Now, as I was thinking about the services this morning and going through this psalm, and, and there's 43 verses to this song, kind of reminded me of something back years ago before I was ordained when I was a church at Brownfield, and one of my good friends, it was ordained just a few years before I was, Elder Wayne Venable, him and I were talking about the difference between us young preachers and the old preachers, and us young preachers at that time, Brother Wayne said, well, it takes us a, a, a whole chapter, sometimes two or three chapters to get a sermon, and these older experienced preachers can get a sermon out of one verse. Well, I'm going to revert back to my young ways, I guess, and take a whole chapter to take up the time this morning. In Psalm 107, look at verse 1. Give thanks. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. If you were to forget everything that I said this morning and would remember to say this verse in your heart every day in the coming week, I would say it's been a beneficial day for some worship. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let us try to repeat that verse every day this week. How much truth is contained therein? You know, as we think about giving thanks to the Lord, I, I read a phrase this week that perhaps I read it before and just forgot it. You know, we talk about thanksgiving and of giving of thanks. And a particular fellow wrote that not only do we need to give thanks uh, unto the Lord, but we not, need to have not only thanksgiving, but thanks living. I thought, that's pretty good. Thanksgiving and thanks living. And he says, for he is good. If you go through the scriptures, look at the Old Testament, you'll see many of these verses that talk about the goodness of God. In this society today that we live in, and so many of the people in this world, what they like to do is go over to, to 1 John chapter 4, 8, where we read about that God is love. And everybody likes to emphasize the fact that God is love. And we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the fact that God is love. But so many people like to... Stretch that a little bit beyond what it was intended. 
Yes, God is love, but that doesn't mean God's happy with everything that you think, say, or do. But if you're in the, in the Old Testament, I think the equivalent phrase in the Old Testament to that New Testament, God is love, I think it's right here. God is good. God is good. And I like that just as well as God is love. And we're going to be looking at some of the goodness of God's love here this morning. He said, for his mercy endureth forever. Now, if you're following along with me and you're reading this in your Bible, you may have noticed that that word endureth is in italics. Not all printings of the Bible have that, but in my Bible, the, the Cambridge Bible that I use here, the King James Cambridge when you see a word in italics, it's telling you about the honesty of the translators. Now, I'm not going to vouch for the honesty of anybody who translated any Bible other than the King James Version, but I'll vouch for the honesty of those that translated this Bible. Because when the translators put this word endureth in the translation, this word was not there in the original Greek, excuse me, in the original Hebrew. It was not there. And anywhere in, in a good King James Version Bible, when you see words in italics, if it, those words were inserted by the translators to add meaning or to help you understand what the original meant. But they wanted you to know that they had done that. They're not hiding anything. So read this without that word in italics. For his mercy forever. That's what the original says. His mercy forever. Aren't you thankful today that God's mercy is forever? It's forever and ever. Aren't you thankful that God can't change his mind? If he was merciful to you in the past, he'll be merciful to you in the present. And he'll be merciful to you in the future. Aren't you thankful that God's mercy is forever? I would hate to think that I could be on my deathbed and rejoicing in the mercy of God and God just sends me an email and says, I changed my mind about this. No, God's mercy is forever. And then he says in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The redeemed, God's people whom he hath redeemed. Let us say so. Well, should we say so in private or should we say so in public? Yep, both. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And he says, for whom he hath redeemed from the hand of his enemy. You know, doesn't it get just a little bit more personal, get a little bit more uh, easier to identify and to rejoice in God's redemption when he tells us, that we've been redeemed from the enemy. You know, sometimes we just think about, oh, yes, we have redemption. We're going to heaven. Well, when we think about the fact he's redeemed us from the hand of the devil, he saved us from the devil and his wrath. Doesn't that make it a little bit more important to you now? Knowing that we have been redeemed from the power of the enemy. Now, the redeemed. And notice he says here in verse 3, and gathered them. Who did he gather? 
the redeemed. And gathered the redeemed, gathered them out of all the lands. Now, this almost sounds like a church service. <laughs> Gathering together out of all lands. And we know he's going to talk about heaven. You know, that's the ultimate thing he's talking about. He's gathered them together. And notice that he says from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Now, I'm not very smart, but I know that we talk about four directions. Those four right there. All right? Everybody understands that. That's pretty simple and basic. He's gathered together all of his people. And he will gather them together at the end of time and we'll all rejoice with the Lord in heaven. We're happy about that, aren't we? We're thankful about that. But let's talk about right now. Let's talk about today. Let's talk about this year. Does God still bless us? In this day and time. We know he's going to be good in eternity. Is God good in 2022? Will God be good in 2023? You know, I don't know about you, but after 2020 and then 2021 and 2020, I don't know if I want to go to 2023 or not. But if we go there, I know that God will be good. Now, here's something that I want you to notice about Psalm 107. From this point on till near the end of the chapter, there's four divisions of Psalm 107. How many directions is there that we talked about? Four. So there's four sections here in Psalm 107. Each one of these four sections is going to be speaking about a particular problem that people can have. Something that can be bothering them spiritually in this world. And it is my hope and prayer this morning that in one of these four, you can say, that's me. And that you can read what the Lord says and get comfort in knowing that God will take care of you. Four things. Four things here. There's going to be a section for those who feel lost. There's going to be a section for those who feel like they're in bondage. There's a section for those who feel sick and afflicted. And then there will be a section for those that feel like they're tossed upon the ways of this world like the mariners. And in each one of these four sections, we're going to find some almost identical language when we get to the solution to people's problems. So let's dive into this. Verse 4, they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Here's the lost. Here's the lost. 
Now, when I first began to read this, I think they wandered out, and I began to think, well, well, is, is David talking about the experience that the children of Israel had after they left Egypt and they came into the promised land? And the more I read, the more I realized, no, David is talking about our lives, the experience that we have right now in our lives today. So he said they wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. Have you ever felt like, or perhaps may even today, do you feel like you're wandering around in this world in a solitary way? You're just wandering without a, a place to dwell and call home, and you just everything just feels like it, it's not permanent. There, there's just no peace in the world to you. You're going in a solitary way. You're all by yourself. You ever wondered why we feel like uh, we're in a solitary way? How come we get in problems in our lives and we think that we're all by ourselves? Don't you feel that way sometimes we go through a problem? You know, when God deals with his people, they're, they're changed. And sometimes when the Lord's dealing with you, you feel like nobody else is going through this. I'm, I'm all alone. Sometimes we're like Job. You remember when Job went through all of his afflictions and he went out onto the ash heap by himself? You know, later his miserable comforts came, but he first went out there by himself and he was feeling there, I'm all alone. I don't know why God's punishing me, but I feel like I'm all by myself out here and God's punishing me and blessing nobody else. Have you ever felt that way? We feel that way in our lives from time to time, don't we? He said they wondered in the wilderness in a solitary way they found no city to dwell in hungry and thirsty their soul fainted in them i think of the beatitudes in matthew chapter 5 about the hungering and the thirsty have you ever felt spiritually hungry Spiritually thirsty, feeling like your soul had no strength at all, feeling like there's no purpose in life anymore, feeling like there's no reason to continue to breathe and to live. You ever felt that way? Sometimes we get in despair in that point spiritually, don't we? Well, I'm not going to remind you how awful life is and just leave you hanging let's talk about the solution so for those of you who feel as you're just wandering around in this life with no purpose wandering around with no hope here's what you need to do verse 6 then wait a minute wait a minute let's stop right here then Then means after that they had experienced that wandering, after they had experienced their, their hunger and their, uh, their spiritual hunger, their spiritual thirst, and the fainting of their soul with them, when they got weak, they had no strength of their own selves, then, then something happened. What happened? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. 
Isn't that when we normally pray unto the Lord? Is in those deepest times of distress and, and cry. How often are your prayers like Peter's prayer? You remember the prayer that the apostle Peter had when, when he walked out on the water to, to meet Jesus Christ who was walking toward the boat on the water. And as Peter walked up out on the water and he saw the, the, the waves and all the, the boisterous wind around him, he began to sink. And you remember the prayer that he cried unto the Lord at that time? Lord, save me. That's pretty quick and to the point, wasn't it? But you know what? It worked. Have your prayers ever been like that? Don't worry about the flowery language that would impress the staunchest deacon or the most critical minister. Just, Lord, save me. Crying unto the Lord. So when these people and perhaps we're talking about you this morning. Your feelings weak spiritually. They cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them out of their distresses. Isn't that a great comfort this morning? That we cry unto the Lord and he'll deliver us. Why do we have this promise? Go back to verse 1. For God is good. His mercy endureth forever. And then he said he led them forth by the right way. You know, there's a whole bunch of wrong ways. But there's only one right way. That's the way of Jesus Christ. He said he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Now notice verse 8. Now you're going to see those exact same words that we just read in verse 6. And all these other four uh, or other three sections. And you're also going to see this verse in all the other three sections. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. If you can sit here this morning and say, yeah, I've been in that solitary place. I've been in that wandering place. I've been in that place where my soul was weak. I've been in that place and I cried to the Lord. And he blessed me and he relieved my distresses. You know what you ought to do then? Praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works. I hope that we're always mindful to praise the Lord for his wonderful works. For indeed, he is good. Now, if you want to look at this verse, verse 8, about praising the Lord, if you finish that verse and you ask yourself a question, why? Why should men praise the Lord for his goodness? Why should we praise him for, for his wonderful works? Look at verse 9. Here's the answer why. For he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. I don't think there's probably anybody in this room this morning that would deny 
that God has not satisfied them, that God has not filled them at some point with goodness. You know, there's things in this world, and I, I can't remember the exact quotation of it over in Proverbs, but uh, there's a, a proverb that says, He that loveth silver will not be satisfied with silver. You know, I am totally certain that if there was a rich man in this world that managed to accumulate all the silver that existed in this world, he would not be happy. Then he would try to start working on all the gold in the world. You know, I've known a lot of men in my life that had this big pile of, of money over in their retirement account, and you would ask them, you know, how much is enough? A little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I need to, I'm going to work another year. You know, I'm going to pile a little bit more on for another year. And uh, I even had a, a friend one time was talking about one of these guys, and he says, the pile's big enough. <laughs> Not in our minds. We're never satisfied with things of this world, are we? Whether it's money and retirement accounts, bank accounts, whether it's the entertainments of this world, the pleasure of this world, all the comforts of this world, we're never satisfied. You know, you can see this principle illustrated very easily if you just look at the video games and the movies that exist today. Now, I don't look at either one of them, so, so, so don't get me to giving you illustrations. I can give you some from 20 years ago, but not today. Uh, you know, the things that used to satisfy people when I was a kid, it got where that wasn't enough. The games had to be better. The movies had to have more excitement and more action. And that satisfied people for a year or two, and then it had to get more action and more violence and more of this and more of that. More, more, more. Man is never satisfied with the things of this world. There's only one place that you're going to find satisfaction, and it's in the Lord, in the Lord's church. It's the only place that we can find satisfaction and happiness. All right, now let's quickly move on to the second one here. Beginning in verse 10 down through verse 16, he talks about those that feel like they're in bondage. He says, such as sit in darkness, in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. One of the commentators upon this verse made the statement that it's bad enough to be bound uh, in iron in a prison. But if you add on top of that, the thought that you might be executed at any moment would have it add even more terror and sadness to this situation. And you can see this picture of those that are physically bound. Think of Paul and Silas as they were, were in prison, sitting in darkness. We could find many examples of of in the Bible about men being bound in prisons. And even in, in history, people perhaps out in the society today, but here we're talking about a spiritual bondage, a spiritual affliction. There's many ways that we can be bound in this world, many ways. You know, the first thing that we're bound is by sin. 
when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, you and I became sold into, into sin and we're bound by sin. We're bound by that nature. We're born with that nature and we're bound with it. We can't get out of it without the Lord's help. But then other things in this world bind us down, whether it's the cares of life or maybe a financial problem, maybe it's a family member that has, has, has uh, departed and left us and, and, and you know, just rebuked us and, and abandoned us. Perhaps it's a friend that's done that way. Perhaps all kinds of problems that we have this bondage that's of affliction that's tying us in. Many times these afflictions come by the things that we do. Verse 11 says, because, here's the ones that he were talking about, because of something that they did. Because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Oh, by the way, how do you condemn the words of the Most High? Do you realize that when you go out and do something that's directly opposed to what God's Word says, you're saying, I don't believe God's Word. What I want to do is more important than what God says. His counsel ain't no good. English teachers, pardon me. Now, here's the ones that are suffering bondage and affliction because of what they have done. People often say, everything happens for a purpose. Well, I like to say something a little bit different. You know, everything may happen for a purpose, but most of the times it's because you've done something dumb or stupid. <laughs> uh, I know that fits my life, all right? So I've been here, the dumb and stupid part, and been in affliction. And you know what happened during that time? I was brought low, just like verse 12 says. Therefore, he brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Now, you notice back in that first section when we were looking at those that were lost, they got to the point where they couldn't help themselves because they had no strength. Well, sometimes when we have no strength, we rely on somebody else to help us. Well, here we're getting to the point where he says, now there's nobody to help us. And we're cast down, brought down. So now, what are we going to do? Our afflictions are severe. We're cast down. We feel in bondage. There's no way out of this bondage here in this world. Our hearts are weak. What do we do? Verse 13. Then. Then. Just like in the prior section, almost the same words. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And he saved them out of their distresses. Oh, how great is the goodness of God. Now, sometimes things happen to us and we don't understand why. And God still takes care of us. Sometimes God helps us because we're dumb and stupid. God still blesses us and takes care of us. I don't know if you get any comfort out of that, but I do. <laughs> you know, I can understand when God will bless me when, and be gracious to me and deliver me, you know, out of 
something when I'm doing something right, but when I'm doing something stupid, and God still delivers me out of that, oh, the goodness of God is so evident. He said in verse 14, he brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Verse 15, see if you've heard this verse before. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Just like in that prior section, almost to the letter. For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. For those who are bound, you're now free. We're now free. Let's give praise to God for that. Now, let's move on to this third little section. I'm going to have to speed up to get through all this I want to get through. So when you get to this third section that we've entitled for those who are sick, I started to entitle it by the very first word of this section because I really, really identify with it. Fools. Okay? Let's see if anybody here identifies with this section. And if you identify with this section, we'll all call you a fool, right? Well, just kidding. The Lord calls you a fool. All right. Fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. As we mentioned in the other case, many times we suffer afflictions because of our transgressions. Now, not all problems and, trans, and not all problems and difficulties in this life are a direct result of an individual sin. Many times they are. Now, we know all sickness and disease and problems and, and everything bad is a direct result of, I mean, is an indirect result of sin, but sometimes it's a direct result of sin. And here's what he's talking about. Because of their iniquities are afflicted. Now, Brother Kenny made a very important distinction a few minutes ago. He said, we talk in this nation about wanting the people to turn from their sin and turn unto the Lord. But many people in this world, they don't even know what sin is. Don't even know what their iniquity is. Don't even know what they ought to be doing. But in this case here, this is referring to those people who do know what the iniquity is. You know how I know that? Because look what happens to them. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. You know, when a person gets sick spiritually, excuse me, physically, when a person gets sick physically, it's common for them not to eat. You know, they just want to lay in bed, suffer, you know, sleep, whatever, don't want to eat. That's common, isn't it, when you're sick? That's very common in somebody spiritually sick also. Not all the time, but many times they don't want to eat. And they get weak. They get so weak till they're near to the point of death. Then look at the next verse, Ben. Y'all remember that word? I want y'all to keep remembering that. There's a good reason I want you to remember then. Because every time that we get to this then that precedes praying unto God. 
God has allowed them to get to the point where they realize their total need of him. And so often that is the case. God allows us to get to that point, to give up on the world and give up on all the 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 uh, enjoyments of the world and the supposed solutions of the problems in this world. Give up on all that and get down where you realize there's only one hope that we have in this life. And it's in the Lord. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Now let's skip down to verse 23. Here's the fourth one. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the sea. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind and lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. Now you can have this picture in your mind of a ship out on the ocean. Now I think it's kind of interesting that here David talks about those mariners go down to the sea. You know, we're going to go down to the seashore to get on a ship. You know the statements that I've always read about mariners, you know, where they say they're at? On the high seas. <laughs> now I don't know if that means anything or not, but it sounded to me like they've got things backwards. But anyhow, uh, here's this picture. You're out on the ship. And then the waves begin to go up. And you have these huge waves coming up and you go up. And then you just plunge quickly down to the bottom. Up and down. Does your life seem to be like that from time to time? But one time we're on the mountaintop. Everything is great. Everything is wonderful. God is shining his glorious grace upon me and it's everything's wonderful. My family's great. My job's great. My church life is great. You know, I feel good. I'm healthy, wealthy, and wise and all that other good garbage. You know, everything's wonderful. And then in a moment, you're down in the bottom of the, of the sea. And that can happen pretty quick too, can't it? I think probably everybody here in this room has had this experience from time to time in their life. Up and down, up and down. That's a picture of life, isn't it? We go through these things. And then he says here in verse 27, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man at their wit's ends. You know, sometimes I feel like that in my life. It's because of violence. And he's speaking about the violence from the waves. And just think if you were were walking on that ship out in the ocean that was going up and down, up and down. And if you was trying to walk upon that ship, you'd just be staggering back and forth, wouldn't you? Because of the violence of those changes. Sometimes I feel spiritually like that's my walk. Staggering back and forth, just trying to stay walking and upright. Sometimes uh, when you get through the end of the day, you can say, I survived and feel like it's a miracle. That's the way our life is sometimes, isn't it? Well, here, 
they're at their wits end. Have you ever feel like at your wits end? Well, what's the answer? What's the answer? Verse 28. Guess how this verse 28 starts? Y'all going to be real surprised. Then. <laughs> then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. And he bringeth them out of their distresses. Four sections. Four sections. Four descriptions of the problems that men may have in this world spiritually. And all four times the people cried unto God. And all four times God delivered them. Did you notice that? He wasn't just delivering part of the time. He delivered them in every case. He may have not given them a brand new Cadillac every time and a new job and a new house, but he delivered them out of their distresses. We don't get all the time what we want, but we get what we need, and we need God's deliverance. And why does God give it? Go back to verse 1. For he is good, his mercy endureth. And again, this is followed up with that verse, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Now, I'm just going to mention something real quick before we get down to the end of this. But if you go through verses 33 and 42, there's a description of God's work here in this world. And he talks about in verse 33 that, he turns the rivers into wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land to barrenness. It's because of wickedness that dwell in, in that land. Just let me give one illustration about this. You remember when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and God was leading them to the promised land and they sent the spies into the land. You remember what those spies came back with? I mean, those humongous clusters of grapes that were so large, it took two men to carry one of them. You remember, they call it that the land of milk and honey. Have you seen pictures of Israel recently? You know, I've seen a lot of pictures of Israel in the last several years. And I've been, finally something dawned on me. This don't look like the land of milk and honey. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that? It looks like a desert, doesn't it? Why? What happened to the land of milk and honey? And perhaps there's a parallel to the nation that we're living in today. He said in verse 34, a fruitful land in the barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. So God can do that in a moment. But I don't want you to leave here today remembering that. I don't want to close with that. Look at verse 35. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation. And sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also. And here's what I want you to remember. 
Yes, God has brought people down. Yes, he's turned the land of milk and honey into a desert land. But that same God that judges sin, that same God is a God of mercy, is a God of goodness, a God of grace. And he can do the exact opposite. He can bless us once again. We may be cast down spiritually. We may spend a few years in a spiritual drought, but God can bless us once again when we're upon this spiritual mountaintop. You know, I think that of David. You remember David was such a, uh, he was a God after, uh, a man after God's own heart, and he was so blessed. And after he committed that horrible sin, after a few years, of spiritual drought where it says in Psalm 51 that he lost the joy of his salvation. He didn't lose his salvation, but he lost the joy of his salvation. Have you ever been to that point where you lost the joy that you had in coming to church, the joy of the thing that you had in Christ, the joy of your of the finished work of Christ? We can go through those times of drought, but God can lift us up, and we can rejoice once again. Let's pray for our own lives. I don't know if, if any of these four situations here we've read to you this morning fits your case. But if it doesn't, just know that God is good. And as we sang in that last song, God will take care of you. Now, let's go to the very last verse of this chapter. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, what things? What things do we need to observe? How God answers the prayers of his children. How God can turn the dry wilderness into standing water with springs of water coming up. These things that are illustrations of God's grace and his goodness. These things, observe these things. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. That gives me hope today. That gives me a case, a cause to rejoice because I see the loving kindness of my God, not only in my life today, but in my life in the past, and I hope and pray in my life to come. Let us all rejoice in the loving kindness of our Lord. May God bless you.